Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chapter 66 podcast. My name is Daniel Sharpenberg. I'm the first vice president of NTEU Chapter 66, and I'm joined by Shannon Ellis, who is the chapter president of NTEU Chapter 66. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. So we've got a few things to talk about today. And first, we want to talk about an email that came to all IRS employees very suddenly um, a few days ago. And it was an email from the Treasury uh, Secretary that directed all IRS employees would soon be in the office 50% of the time. And of course, for many people, they think, I don't telework anyway, right? But for the teleworkers, for some of these people that come in once a week, that's, that's quite a change. Um, and a little bit later, the agency did walk that back and say it's just for D.C. non-bargaining unit workers. Yeah, yeah. we would hope that they would do um, a little more research to put it out to just the parties that were involved. Um, also, they were rolling things out that employees hadn't even uh, been, it hadn't been discussed with the employees at that time. So it would have been nice if the commissioner's information would have come out before um, it was rolled out by a secretary. Um, so hopefully they'll, they'll think twice about how they send things mm-hmm. out in the future. Um, but just to let everybody know, you know, we are still working to expand telework uh, at most IRS campuses. Um, so at this time, none of this applies to, um, to anybody other than the D.C. area employees. Right, and I think... Um Article 50 in our contract uh, really, in a way, sort of ties the agency's hands in this. That is, if we didn't have Article 50 protections in the contract, they could just immediately pull telework if they just felt like it without a reason. So, and I want to say the way this news came out makes me think they're looking for ways to get around Article 50. They would like this 50% thing if they felt they could do it. So the union is fighting to preserve and expand telework. And I want to let all of you know, our biggest strength is membership. More members equals more bargaining power. So if you're not a member, please join to help us in this fight. The more members we have, the more the agency is going to feel like they can't do whatever they want and roll over us. Right. So. Right, and if you paid attention to the Facebook page, um, when we put the information out about this article, um, there were responses from some management officials that were stating that too bad that it didn't apply to us. And these management officials are from our local campus. So it kind of gives you an idea of what we're up against. And this is why membership is so important because, you know, we if we stand together, and we, we push for more telework as a collective bargaining unit, um, you know, they have no choice but to listen to us. We have to prove that we can do this. We gotta be working when we're out and teleworking, but to see managers making statements um, as if they are completely against telework is scary. So, so again, uh, that, that memo, that notice did not apply to us but don't think that we're safe from any changes. So pay attention, uh, do what you're supposed to be doing when you're telework, prove to them that telework works. It works for our employees. We are successful doing that. So if we can prove that, 
you know, they, they, it's harder for them to justify that um, we're not being as productive when we're working mm -hmm. from another location. So do what we're supposed to, when we're supposed to, and let's keep fighting for more and more telework opportunities. Yeah, from what I can tell, it seems like a whole lot of employers in the Kansas City area are going more in the telework direction. So, like... Like for people like us that have a lot of time with the agency, well, we're we're probably not going to leave. But when people are starting out their careers, if they can telework at other places and they really want to telework, they may not go to the IRS. And the agency has got to see that as a problem. We cannot get enough employees in here. Right. It is one of the hiring issues that we run against. Um, there's a lot more corporations out there that are allowing their employees to telework and even remote work, which mm -hmm. means 100% telework. And so if that's what we're up against and our pay isn't as enticing as it is in the private sector, we already know that. So, yeah, I mean, to hire and retain the best of the best is what the IRS is trying to do. And yet we can't compete because... Mm -hmm we're we're trying to pull back the opportunities that you know have been given to employees so again we have to show that we're productive we have to show that we're successful yeah so um, next we'll move to I want to talk about um, EPF and drop files and some people listening definitely don't know what either of those things are but so I want to share with you that article 7 says that your manager has to show you what's in your file if you ask and if you ask and they deny showing you what's in your file, you can contact NTEU because they should absolutely not be doing that. So um, I get confused about the difference between EPF and drop file. And I've had the experience where I asked for the wrong one sometimes. So Shannon, can you speak on the difference between these two and why each one is important? Right. Um, it is so important to understand that management's required to keep documentation for everything that impacts or affects your employment here. So an EPF, that's an employee performance file. So anything in that file should relate to the CJEs, your performance, your, your work specifically. So for example, managers are supposed to um, share with you within 30 days of employment they're supposed to share with you your CJEs your you, you know what what things you're going to be rated against so under the EPF you will have everything that applies to you being shared the e, the uh, CJEs you being given uh, performance ratings you being given an annual appraisal or a mid-year uh, departures uh, that type of stuff. So it's very important that the employees understand that the only thing that should be in that employee performance file is pertaining to your CJEs and your performance, your work that you do for the IRS. So, so, and, and we'll go into a little bit more of what to expect and what not to expect. But then a drop file, when we make reference to a drop file, a drop file is actually a conduct file. That has things to do with your seasonal, seasonal agreements, uh, your um, <clears throat> um, any type of um, conduct memos you have received, um, you know, memos that like expectations, things like that that your manager has provided with you. So it's more of things out of your 
code and ethics book and uh, that relate to how you behave or how you interact with your uh, your uh, manager and your coworkers. So that's the difference. There's also a third file that's not mentioned, and that's your medical file. And your medical file is just what it says. It is all your medical stuff. Um, it's important that employees go, at, we recommend twice a year, go look in your employee files. You know, find out what's in your drop file, what's in your EPF, your employee performance file, but also have a look at your medical file. Make sure that the manager is, uh, is maintaining FMLA paperwork, um, uh, medical documentation to support the possibility that you were charging an AWOL once and that you were able to provide medical documentation and that AWOL should be removed, sometimes isn't, but should be removed um, based on medical. Well, they're not allowed to put that medical documentation in with your drop file, your conduct file. They can't do that. Medical has to be kept into a separate thing. Same thing, your, your employee performance file should not have anything that relates to conduct. So if there's a memo in there that tells you you failed to adhere to the cell phone MOU, that's a conduct issue. That is not a performance issue. So that should be in your drop file, not your EPF. So we recommend you go find out because we're finding, we've been doing um, audits throughout this campus and what we're finding is um, information that belong to other employees being in these files. Um, the fact that managers are not sharing um, the required information. Um, you know, they re they're required to maintain or retain uh, four years of documentation when it comes to uh, the CJEs, um, my job, my, my position description, all of that stuff is supposed to be retained for four years. We're finding that's not happening. Also, employees are discovering they were charged AWOL mm -hmm. and they never knew they were charged AWOL. They don't know it until, you know, they, if they can realize that they're missing pay. And so we have a lot of issues with these employee drop files and managers not keeping the data they're supposed to, not keeping it for as long as they're supposed to. So it's very important that you as an employee know what's supposed to be in the files, what, uh, what shouldn't be there, um, and make sure that it's cleaned out. You know, they can only retain these information, conduct issues for, you know, a year, two years at the most, and they should be cleaned out. And if you request to review those files, ask for an NTU to send a steward to go through this file with you. We'll be happy to do that. Uh, one quick question about that medical file. Mm -hmm. Um, that's different because it's more limited in who can access it. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Um, most managers still keep it in their office, but it's under lock and key. We know that some operations uh, keep it at the operational level. So how they store them may be a little differently, where they store them may be a little differently, but the, the fact still remains the same. You have access. It's your files. You have the right to review any of these files anytime you want. Now, don't confuse if a manager says, hey, I don't have time right now to do that. Next week, I can give it to you. That's okay, as long as they give you a time frame um, or when they, when they can let you review it because they have to be in the presence of you reviewing it. The manager has to be there with you. You can ask okay. for copies of anything in that file. You have a right to that. And then if you want NTU with you, then, you know, we just ask that you sign a, a, um, 
a designation of representation, or we refer to it as a power of attorney. Um, you you sign something like that that gives NTU the right to go and and review these files with you and or without you, so that we can see what's in your files. All right, great. I know um, whenever I have a grievance, I'm working where I have an annual um, that we're filing a grievance on. The first thing I do is I go after try to get that EPF because. Well, I want to see, were they told their CJEs? Were they given feedback if they were lowering? Those sorts of things. And that file is where that should be. And I, I like to make the argument, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. So if feedback's not documented, it didn't happen. If counseling's not documented, it didn't happen. Right. And um, sometimes they don't like that. But right. that, that's why your, your EPF's important. And especially if you think your annual looks weird, your EPF's a good thing to go look at. And again, we'll look at it with you. So um, I want to talk next about our upcoming event. Um, March 16th at noon, we're having a membership meeting here at work in the multi-purpose room. Um, people don't like to come to work on a Saturday for a union meeting, but I want to encourage people to show up. We're going to be giving things away. There's going to be snacks and information and a chance for community, a chance to come together. Um, we would like to have more chances to come together, so we're trying to build more of that. But, um, you know, sometimes people are like, what's the union doing? I don't know. Well, you can come to these meetings and ask questions and find out. We will take all the questions that are asked, no matter how long it takes, I think. So I hope that people will show up and get some snacks and just, just listen and we'll talk about what we're working on and how we can help each other. Yeah. Come meet your executive board. Um, who, these people are uh, elected by our members to, um, you know, to protect and, um, you know, protect the, the, the chapter, um, where our expenditures are, what we need to do, how, what type of cases were taken to arbitration, what type of issues we're dealing with on campus. That this is what your executive board is elected to do: is to safeguard um, NTU and what what we stand for, what we're here for. So uh, come meet your board and um, you know help help have discussions on what issues that we're seeing on campus. You know we can't get out there and it, it's unfortunate we can't get enough information timely to our employees. Um, you know, it, it, or they don't know where to go and find this information. So a great way to come meet us, to actually get involved in what's going on on campus, ways that we can address things, things that we may not even know that's happening that you're bringing to us. So come join us. Um, it's usually a, a very informative meeting, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys out there. Yeah, I hope I hope a lot of you show up. Um, it's a good time. It's a good time, and we enjoy these meetings. So we enjoy connecting with our members. I would say that. We enjoy connecting with our members a great deal. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to talk about a section of the contract now. It's not. This is a little bit bigger than a section of the contract, though, because Article 36, Section 2 is where this is located, but it's been expanded beyond that. So we're going to talk about administrative time for voting. It's one of my favorite topics. And this could be relevant to some people in the near future because Kansas City, Missouri is having a city election on April 2nd. I don't know if you've heard about it. I've heard a lot about it. And I don't live in Kansas City, Missouri, so I don't get to vote on it. But certainly some of our members do. So um, Article 36, Section 2 outlines getting administrative time for voting. 
But in addition to that, and I'm not even going to read Article 36, Section 2, because I don't need to, because this, what we're going to talk about, expands on it and is like that, but bigger. So there's a document called Executive Order 14019. And this executive order expands on what's in the contract. And as far as I can tell, it sometimes seems like managers haven't really had training on it because it, every election these last couple of years, it seems like they've never heard of it. Right. In the past, we've advised employees to request the time the day of or a few days before. And I'm thinking that people need to be requesting this a couple of weeks out. So we're going to try to send out reminders. Or even as soon as you listen to this, if you want to request admin time to vote on April 2nd, I think it's within your rights to do that. Because what happened before, what happens in these elections is people request it and management's like, I've never heard of that. And then people, maybe they don't take the time. Maybe they use their own leave or whatever. And we have to go back and try to fix that. But if people can request it now, then their manager will have time to educate themselves because mm -hmm. if they're not educated on it. And we'll have time to sort it out so nobody has to take leave or get AWOL to go vote. That would be really bad. It should give management plenty of time if we give them a couple weeks and give NTU plenty of time to fight these if they're denied. So every election, I'm going to set reminders so that we send out um, reminders that it's almost time to vote because we get this for every single election. For primaries, we get it. For city elections, we get it. For local elections, ballot initiatives, everything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an important uh, benefit to this job, and we want people to take advantage of it. So I'm just going to read to you verbatim from the executive order. Um, I'm reading the actual text just to make sure we don't confuse any of it. And we'll, we'll be posting this material in our Facebook page and in our emails as well. But I, I thought um, I could just read it to you. So, from the executive order, expanded administrative leave for voting. A, subject to the considerations in Section 5 below, the employer will allow employees to use up to four hours of administrative time for voting in connection with each federal general election day, including early voting, each election event, including primaries and caucuses, at the federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial level that does not coincide with a federal general election day, including, um, including early voting, and, sorry, and for federal special congressional elections not held on the date of a federal general election. Employees may request in advance and in writing administrative leave for voting in connection with each covered election event in which the employee participates by voting. Employees may use administrative leave for any travel time to and from the employee's voting poll location, which is included in the up to four hour limitation outlined in section 3A above. Employees may only request the necessary number of hours, up to four hours for voting per election event." End quote. So I wanna warn people, um, don't take this time and then not vote, please, because that's, that's what makes management suspicious is if people are messing around. So don't do that. And if you're polling places like next door to your house, maybe don't request four hours to go vote. Right, right. Um, you know, some yeah. of the things we were running into, um, you know, in the past, 
for years and years and years. It was the least amount of time you needed before or after your shift. That no longer applies. This executive order has expanded it because they understand that I have to be there at my house to put my child on the bus before I come to work. Or I have to be back, I have to come back and pick up my um, kids from school. Um, so there are tons of reasons why I can't go before or after my shift um, so I can take time off during the during the day to do this and then either report back to work or you know that type of stuff uh, again like Daniel says don't abuse it you know we lose these rights because people are requesting four hours and their voting poll is two blocks down the street so it, it's you know that's the importance of this it's a right that we were um, they've expanded on to allow us to vote in all types of elections uh, i personally am a cherokee nation and i now get to take time to vote in my tribal elections so that is that's huge for me so this expansion is allowing us not only to, to vote in other types of elections that are not the federal, um, but it also allows us to use the time not just limited to before and after our shift. Management is still coming back and saying that as of late, this last elections we had. So um, it has to be in writing. So get that in writing. Don't wait till the last day. NTU is going to do their best effort to remind you uh, a couple of times before the elections. Um, so we're going to try to stay on top of that to help us remember that the elections are here. Um, but it, as soon as you realize that you are part of this election, um, you need to request it in writing to your manager. So that can be, you know, emails from your home personal. Uh, device or at work send it and request it and then uh, move forward let NTU know if it's denied so that we can address it as quickly as possible as to not delay you getting paid and or being charged avoid AWOL charges and things like that so this is a huge thing you're you know it's your right to vote go go vote yeah go vote and I think um I was going to take a moment to talk about the difference between a caucus and a primary because a caucus takes a substantially longer amount of time, but uh, we're going to save that because that is not something we need to discuss for a few months because that's not till August. But um, so look out for that in a future episode. We'll talk about caucuses and primaries because um, a caucus takes longer and your manager may not know that. So we'll, we'll address that later on. Um, so, everybody, get in your request. If you live in Kansas City, Missouri, get in your request for that April 2nd election day so you can vote, if you want to vote. Don't vote if you don't want to. Uh, but we do encourage voting. So, um, I think that's it for today. I hope I see a lot of you March 16th, and have a great day, everybody. Yeah, thank you for joining us, and have a good day.